When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Welcome to Inside Mizzou Athletics, presented by Shelter Insurance. Find an agent for your auto, home, and life at shelterinsurance.com. Now, here's Matt Michaels and Brad Trinago. Hello and welcome. It is another rousing edition of the Inside Mizzou Athletics podcast. I am Matt Michaels, alongside, as always, my good friend Brad Trinago. Hi, friend. Hey, man. Good to see you. It is good to see you, too. Uh, there's so much stuff going on. We don't have a guest. We hardly have a plan. We're just going to talk about it all and see where it takes us. And sometimes these are the episodes that are most entertaining, and I'm sure that one or two of you have clicked away. And if you've stayed this long, you've done us a great service. So thank you for that. Yeah, certainly appreciate everyone who listens or watches or whatever you do each and every week. But yeah, all the sports is basically the plan, and we're just going to throw it in a, a stew and see what we come up with. A sports per- Burgoo, yeah. <laughs> unless you don't like Kentucky, in which case, you know, it's not a burgoo, it's just a stew. Uh, thanks to our friends at Shelter Insurance for sponsoring the Sports Burgoo, recently ranked highest in customer satisfaction among auto insurers of the Central Region, four out of five years in a row by J.D. Power Shelter Insurance. We're your shield, we're your shelter. Also, thanks to our friends at Raceline. With over 30 years of turnkey project execution, Raceline is an industry leader in engineering, manufacturing, and installation of modular process systems. I had to look up 
up what a burgoo is. And according to simplyrecipes.com, it's a Kentucky Derby favorite. It's a stew with pork, beef chuck, and chicken for meat, corn, carrots, onion, celery, and lima beans. So thank you for educating me on the burgoo. I mean, today. that's if you were making it from the store, because old school burgoo involves um, certain small wild animals. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, it just kind of like... What do you got today? I think I'll it stick goes with, in the burgoo. I think I'll stick with the Manjulis. I haven't had I haven't had um, a true Kentucky burgoo. <laughs> so if somebody wants to educate me by all means, Mizzou baseball is heading to Lexington in like a few short weeks from now, really. So if I get surprised with a true burgoo, I'll eat it and I'll tell you how it is. Well, this weekend. Kentucky softball is coming to us here in Columbia. So, maybe so we are you suggesting them. that maybe they kept some warm in a crock pot? Yeah, I mean. Just- Small wild game. Just think of what that could entail, and not necessarily small wild game that you can get at the store. Put it in the Tupperware, and you know, bring it up, and I'll I'll do a nibble. I mean, I've eaten entire banana peels on this podcast, and <laughs> coffee with mayonnaise. Speaking of Kentucky again, it can't possibly be worse. So than- probably true. We're going to have some people really mad at us already from the Bluegrass State about how we talked about one of their ancestral dishes today. It's going to kill our engagement in, in, in Louisville or Lexington or Murray mm-hmm. or wherever. In Murray. That big, We're big con- in Murray. That strong contingent in Murray that had, had been a stable listenership. We've, we've lost them now. Shout out to the racers. Since we're on this weird Kentucky jab while we're here, the, uh, the Lexington minor league baseball team just renamed themselves. They were the legends, which was very um, generic. Now they're going to call themselves the counterclocks because it was in Kentucky that they started to race the horses counterclockwise as opposed to England, where they raced them all clockwise. That is fascinating. Thank and you so they've that. got a backward C and they've got the word counterclocks is like their word mark. So they don't even have a normal letter. They just have this backward C. So you got that nickname. You've got the, the Norse of Northern Kentucky, which are going dancing. And Sorry, uh, all apologies to Cleveland State and the Vikings. The Norse were better than the Vikings in the Horizon League Championship. That is the men's case. basketball. And at least for a while this season, it looked like NKU may have been the best college basketball team in Kentucky uh, for a little bit. The Kentucky Wildcats have, have righted the ship a little bit, but still, NKU, uh, good on them. Yeah, good indeed for them. Uh, why don't we talk about some men's basketball a little bit closer to home? Because Dennis Gates and company finished the job. They got their two wins at the end of the season that everybody was setting up and saying, go ahead, get your road victory down there in um, Athens, get your road victory at the PMAC, where you had never won a game before at LSU. And then take care of business at home against Ole Miss. And in true 2022-23 Mizzou men's basketball fashion, it gave you a heart flutter or two. But in the end, you looked up and you saw, yeah, they're right there in the spot to win. And they won all their games. They got help from others. And there you go with a double bye in the SEC tournament for the first time since the Tigers have joined the Southeastern Conference. It goes without saying that regardless of who votes for what for SEC Coach of the Year, um, a team that ended up with Kobe Brown on the All-SEC First Team from the coach's perspective and as the SEC Scholar-Athlete of the Year, which is a high honor and great achievement, the first in Mizzou men's basketball's program history. But um, only one first-teamer. Somehow, we can talk about this, didn't get a member on the all-defensive team. Again, didn't get a member on the all-defensive team. There's probably someone who should come to mind. Didn't have anyone on the all-freshman team. One first-teamer. 
and that team ended up with the four seed and a double bye in the conference tournament. I'd say a hell of a coaching job by Dennis Gates, no matter what anybody says about it. And again, this was a team that was picked to finish 11th in the preseason by by those same SEC folks, and then he finishes fourth, and you don't don't get there. So it, it's disappointing. I mean, Buzz Williams was one of the people who was recognized, and I, I think there's a fair argument there. A&M was not anticipated to make a ton of noise this year and finished, not only did they finish second in the conference, but I, I think from Mizzou's perspective anyway, you, you might want to play Alabama right now in a potential semifinal before you'd want to play Texas A&M. Aggies that- are a worse matchup. I think for Missouri than Alabama sure. is stylistically. Absolutely. And, you know, Alabama obviously has a lot of off the court stuff going on right now. And, and maybe that could play to the Tigers' advantage. You got to get to that point, of course, first by winning a quarterfinal Friday afternoon against a, a to be determined opponent. But, yeah, just touching on what you said, I mean, first ever number four seed. You, you match the SEC era record for conference wins with 11, 23 wins in a season already with a couple of more opportunities still to go here, of course. That's the most wins in near a decade for this men's basketball program so you know year number one w- with Dennis Gates and you know I go back to to Saturday the five-point win over Ole Miss and it, it's it's just another example of using the different parts when necessary Mizzou in that game was down four with seven minutes left and, and I confirm this on the on the wrap-up show filling in for you talking with assistant coach David Dickey Nutt that yeah whenever they got to that point they absolutely said we are going into the post every Every single possession and they did that like four times in a row with either Kobe Brown or Noah Carter who was terrific in the game on Saturday but it just speaks to that I mean how many times this year have we seen from Mizzou oh just throw it down inside and and you know let your post players make plays I mean that that has not been this type of team but that situation required that and Mm -hmm. and it speaks to why you know at least from USA Today's perspective Dennis Gates was the SEC coach of the year of course those of us looking at things through black and gold tinted glasses feel like Dennis Gates SEC coach of the year for the tremendous work he's done here bringing in so many new players and then that again that ability to to adjust the the personnel on the floor in, in tight games and by the way Mizzou has won every single tight game I think that coaching probably speaks to that a little bit also but you know not just the personnel tweaking but also the style tweaking like we saw there uh, there was an inbounds play that kind of sealed it uh, Sean East inbounding a Noah Carter for an and one and Dennis Gates said on Tiger Talk this week which you can catch on the Inside Mizzou Athletics podcast feed and the Facebook page that he put Sean East in for Nick Honor out of that timeout because Sean East is left-handed and the angle on the inbound because of where the ball was positioned on the baseline, it made more sense for a left-hander. Yeah, I mean, think inbounded, about, inbounded from the left of the basket probably to give yourself a left hand to get wait, around. It. He had to, pa- yeah. Well, it had to be a, a pass across the key to mm-hmm. Carter who was sealing somebody off. But but think about, I mean, just think about that that level of thinking. You know, you're you're being three or four moves ahead like a chess grandmaster or something and, and for Dennis Gates in year one as a young head coach to, to have that kind of stuff laid out you know all these newcomers that were brought in to this to to cook up this burgoo if you will uh, for the Tigers men's basketball team and yeah just tremendous success and we'll see if it continues here into March you know when when hearing at his introductory press conference remember this is less than a year ago now Dennis Gates talk about the notebooks like I have been taking notes this is what I have been preparing for to be a head coach a detail like that about the handedness of your inbounds player on a specific play is something you think about when you take notes 
because you, if you forget that stuff and you let it go by the boards and you just say, well, let me put this player in because he's the starter or let me put that's not thinking about all the ways in which you can use your pieces in the right fashion. You know, I, I've commented on Twitter recently. I said, I've not seen a Missouri team and I don't have the history that you do, Brad. I don't have the history that many do. There have been many fine University of Missouri men's basketball teams, but in my recent and somewhat limited memory, I can't think of a team that has more guts and less panic in it and the way it plays than this team does under Dennis Gates. It's a reflection of the head coach, right? Because the head coach doesn't panic. I mean, he lets his team play through situations. He wanted them early in the season. Remember, everybody was complaining. Coach Gates doesn't call a timeout. Well, he wanted them to play through it. You're going to have to play through it sometime, so go ahead and play through it. And what happened? At one point, Dennis Gates called a timeout with seven minutes to go and his team down double digits, and they won the game. You know, they had to have those sorts of experiences to come together and now they've got the tools in the toolbox right they've won a game where they had to go as you mentioned against Ole Miss down inside and make it be a Kobe Brown Noah Carter type of show and they took that show and they ran with it they've won games where they've had to hit the scramble situation from half court good thing you got the Andre Golston because it seems when the degree of difficulty goes up so does his likelihood of making the shot they're a team that knows what they are and a team that knows what they are and knows how to adjust that against other styles is a dangerous team at this time of year and it's why Missouri's earned themselves the four seed in a double bye in the conference tournament it's why they're a very legitimate threat to win the conference tournament and it's why they're a very legitimate threat no matter what seed line they end on from the NCAA folks at the end of this weekend a very legitimate threat to advance through this tournament deep into March I don't think there's any question that and and I think how circling back to what you said originally about where this team ranks historically in in certain categories and I I think what they end up doing in March is going to play a big factor in it and that's just the reality of of college basketball is is what you do in March it has goes a long way to that I mean I I think back to the 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 94 team that went undefeated through the big eight I mean Mm -hmm. they were able to go to Lawrence and win, able to go to Norman Ames you know what wherever and they were able to go undefeated through a conference but did that team find itself in as many precarious positions as this team did while still having success I don't I don't know the answer to that but that's what kind of what I'm coming from. I guess not as many precarious situations because they were because they were really really good good. they were good in a (laughs) different way but part of this team's strength is the fact that they find themselves in a what just happened mode and they don't panic and they stick with their plan or find a new one and they trust that they're going to come through and we've seen it basically all the time they've done it certainly a, a team it's, it's hard to think of a team and I'd, I'd imagine there has not been a team that has won twice at the buzzer on 35 plus foot shots so that's probably mm-hmm. a factor I mean, it helps it on helps. the road it certainly helps so yeah this has definitely been an entertaining team a highly entertaining team throughout and, and yeah the buzzer beaters are in there the complete beatdowns of Illinois especially and then a pretty thorough performance against Kentucky you know, in back-to-back games, those are always going to stick out. But even the games like, you know, the the Ole Miss game, and Ole Miss is, is having a down year. They've already fired their coach. But even that game was a lot of fun to, to just watch mm-hmm. as a fan. I mean, I'm sure it was very stressful if you're a member of the Mizzou coaching staff because it's like we cannot afford, we haven't had a bad loss all year according to the, the quads and the net ranking, and this would not be a great time for that. But even that game, which was back and forth the whole way, and then to be able to find a way Way yet again to pull it out again every game decided by five points or less this season Mizzou has won each of those games they score a ton of points they get up and down the floor and like you said they they just have that 
it factor and whether it's just all the experience they have on this roster or the, the coaching or a combination of both or whatever it is, it, it's it's just been a heck of a year. And I mean, there's a very good chance they're going to double or more than double last season's win total. So a dramatic improvement there. And the future's certainly bright for Mizuman's basketball. I, I think, you know, I, I was thinking too, you, you think about all the coaching changes. This was a, a very busy offseason last year mm-hmm. in terms of coaching changes in men's basketball in the SEC. I believe there were six that, that changed coaches. I mean, it, it was a lot. I forget the exact number. But you look at any coach, maybe even in the entire SEC period, who would you rather have if you're a Mizzou fan? Certainly out of the first-year guys, the answer is emphatically Dennis Gates. And, and you look even at the entire conference, uh, I mean, that you know the, the current conference champion, there's some stuff going on off the court that makes you wonder if that would be the guy you would want. And, and then some of the other guys are, are getting up there in age, where Dennis Gates is certainly not. He appears to be on the very early end of his head coaching career. I, I think Dennis Gates is the guy it seems like a home run hire at least through less than 12 months at this point and I can't wait to see what happens in March yeah it's going to be very uh interesting and entertaining no matter what happens to see how now when you get to the one and done games this team performs and this team uh finds its footing and, and really writes the coda to what already has been a fantastic chapter in the resurgence of the Mizzou men's basketball program um I will say that there is some bone picking to do because I mentioned there is a certain player who is not on the SEC's all-defensive team, and his name is Demoy Hodge. And I can't – okay, let me put it this way. You and I, if we are having our moment of honesty, will both readily admit that Missouri is – not the team that has decided to go lockdown half-court defense on you. Much better offensive team than a defensive team this year. I and, think that's fair to say. And their metrics show them in the bottom half of men's Division One teams when it comes to, again, we just judge how you – grade defensive possessions what you give up what you don't against who you give up they've given up big numbers to a lot of different teams right they have Mm -hmm. for that to be held against Demoy Hodge who leads the SEC in steals per game by like a half a steal (laughs) who was far and away the best person at picking the pocket of the other team and didn't just use that to turn into points, although he did very frequently, was a solid score in his own right, defense leading to offense. Um, certainly in terms of quick twitch and watching him, it's probably the guy you'd want in terms of a defensive stopper on this team if you're going against the other team's best, if it comes to a drive situation or what have you. For him not to be selected to the SEC's all-defensive team is crazy to me. I remember a player from my youth, once upon a time. His nickname was The Glove because his defense was so good. His name was Gary Payton. What did Gary Payton do? He took the basketball away and stopped you and knocked down long-distance shots. That's what he did. He made a living on it. He was a super-time all-star for that. He was basically the second star on those Seattle Supersonics teams. I guess the SEC voters this year didn't think Gary Payton had much value as a basketball (laughs) player. I'm not comparing Des Moines Hodge directly, but I'm saying it's a similar profile. And to just overlook that in the fight, like, there are some great players on that team, don't get me wrong, but it feels like a massive oversight to say that just because the team itself philosophically didn't have the same look at defense, I think, that a lot of teams in the league or a lot of college basketball teams would. Mizzou's philosophy on defense is cry havoc and sound the dogs of war, (laughs) and everybody else is saying, we'll pack it in. Well, 
Missouri's doing that too, just in a different way, and they're trading buckets and still winning. And for Hodge to not be there, I think is a massive over. I think it's the number one oversight that they had on any of those lists that came out from the league office this year. Yeah, I do agree with you that I was surprised to not see Demoy Hodge make the list in terms of the All Defensive Team. That being said, the reality is, especially when you're talking about the uh, the coaches' vote, which is what that was, is that. While these are individual awards, they really end up being team awards in a lot of cases, right? A lot of times, you know, more often than not, who ends up winning the MVP of a conference? It's the best player on the best team. It doesn't necessarily mean that that's the best player overall in the entire conference. I'll use an example from the women's basketball side where, you know, South Carolina was the overwhelming champion. There was no question there. And Aaliyah Boston got player of the year. And she may be, she's going to be the number one WNBA draft pick. She's a terrific player, but they're so deep that she only played like 27 minutes a game. She had like 12 points, 10 rebounds, two mm-hmm. blocks a game. And, and those are, you know, very fine numbers, but. Angel Reese from LSU, the second place team, was basically doubling her up in terms of both points and rebounds. She has had absurd numbers. It was something like 25 points, 17 rebounds Mm -hmm. per game, but she wasn't the best player on the best team, and it ended up going to Boston, even though I would argue, hey, it's an individual award. Let's look at the individual stats. It's no question that that Reese was better. And I think a little bit of that plays in to the extent of this all-defense team, where you're looking at, okay, who are the teams? that are giving up the fewest points per game and let's go find their best players and that that's not necessarily fair right because some of that's a tempo based deal and like you just mentioned Mizzou is is okay at times with trading buckets because they want to get you sped up and get you into the style and the tempo that they want to play well if you have more possessions in a game you're going to give up more points even though it may not necessarily be more points per possession in a lot of contests and, and I do think that there were some people People that went well Mizzou is giving up this many points a game I can't possibly give an all defensive spot to somebody on that team even though a guy like Demoy Hodge we see it mm-hmm. on, on and on his value and, and what he brings to the table as a defensive presence see the thing that drives me crazy is I, I get it and, Co- I, and I'm not arguing yeah. with you I'm just I'm building the straw man no I, I understand but I'll, I'll blow the straw man over by saying coaches can look at an individual player if it was just I see that player and I see the defensive stopper that I want on my team okay maybe it doesn't look conventional in the way that Demoy Hodge has done it but his team he's playing within the framework of we want to have more possessions because we think we can out efficient you on offense even if we don't play particularly well on the defensive end we want more trips because we're going to score more points than you that's been the mo of this team since they were playing the screaming eagles of southern indiana or the penn quakers they never wavered from that and so to not view hodge's performance within that lens i think is selling what hodge did short and not just to mention that he set the mizzou single season record for steals and he's going to probably be building on that with at least two more games for himself to be played and hopefully many more than that over the course of these next several it just you know does not compute right an oversight and i i you can you can draw straws and argue about a bunch of other things but that's one when you look at it at the end does not reflect the value that he had to this team in that specific facet 
by the way, that's a Steels record that stood for like 40 years that yeah. Lynn Hardy had. So that, that's not something that's just a oh, current era for whatever reason. No, that's something that's that has stood the test of time for decade after decade after decade. And a lot of good teams that like we mentioned that did not have someone who got more steals in a game in a season than Des Moines Hodge did. So uh, terrific pickup there. There was a nice senior day ceremony post game. And so to clear this up, because honestly, I was going through and seeing like Nick Honor, for example, who is a grad student who does potentially have another year of eligibility left. That was something, you know, with this this new era and, and with the COVID years and stuff, it, it's kind of hard to keep up with that. So there were again, there were nine players recognized Saturday, but the only four that are definitely done are Hodge, Dre Golston, Trey Gomillion and Ben Sternberg. Those are the only four that absolutely could not come back. The five others that could come back are Kobe Brown, Noah Carter, Sean East, and uh, also uh, Honor and Mo- Isaiah Mosley. So there is the possibility that you could have a pretty decent nucleus of veterans coming back next year along with a top 25 recruiting class. And so this this thing has the real potential to be built to last for a while. It will be very interesting. You know, it's the most interesting thing is what ends up happening on the court but whenever the season ends which of those five come back and which of them don't uh, also will play a big factor in you know how how people feel I think going into future years and also you know what Mizzou's staff chooses to attack in the transfer portal or in the high school ranks still you know going forward I think whatever happens Missouri fans won't have a hard time doing this but savor what you get like Mm -hmm. this team is this team right and they have helped breathe life into a fan base again i think it's fair to say with sold out crowds at mizzou arena eight sellouts man. eight of them in the year which is one of the highest numbers ever in the history of the building yeah it's a 20 plus in the sec 20 year building at this point and to have eight different sellouts coming off a 12-win season and and to have eight sellouts the following year I think that's a credit obviously to the product the product on the court mm-hmm. is the number one thing but uh, you know the post-dispatch I believe had a, had a nice piece on some of the efforts that the athletic department has made especially when it comes to students there's somebody dedicated just to student engagement at this point to, to get the the younger butts in the seats if you will and just the energy level well there, there are just more of them there that's the number one thing but also the the energy that they they provide, mm-hmm. you know, with you know a variety of, of language, sometimes colorful, but it, it just provi- It's a whole different vibe in, in Mizzou Arena right now, and it's so fun to have that type of energy and atmosphere back in Como. There will be more talented teams, raw talent. There will be more talented teams at the University of Missouri that Dennis Gates has here. I feel that deeply. There may not be one that's more fun to watch really so enjoy whatever this is it's all matchups at this time of year it's all matchups when you get someone everybody's good right so breaking that down individually is a fool's errand just try to get the best matchup and if you don't get a good one make the best of it and see where it takes you and, and i think this year at least you know there there's a bit of a free roll feeling about it for fans so enjoy your free roll while you get it because you don't get very many in college athletics and and it's a credit to dennis gates and company that were in that position to begin 
begin with. Um, in, in other places, Mizzou Wrestling, I guess somebody did bad math when it came to the allocations and Jared JQs had to be selected as an at-large <laughs> instead of earning his spot, which I don't know how they got the math wrong. That's a bit scary. At the NCAA, but someone got the math wrong. In any case, all 10 are going to the NCAA championships in Tulsa. Um, I know that the finals weren't um, as fruitful in terms of individual Big 12 champions this year, but the team won the championship. It's 12 in a row. It's a streak that now surpasses Norm Stewart in terms of all-time conference championships. One at the University of Missouri, Brian Smith, now holds that in terms of head coaching. He's one of the three greatest head coaches in the history of the institution, in my opinion, three or four, and um, they'll build a statue of him someday. And he's not stopping anytime soon. It's remarkable what Mizzou Wrestling has done. Nobody should take that for granted either. And in a couple of weeks, when they play this thing out in Tulsa, they have a chance to be on the podium. If they have 10 wrestlers, they have the chance to have their best all-time finish. And yes, they have a chance. If they have the same sort of lower-level rounds that they did in Tulsa in the Big 12s, where they were putting guys on their back and getting sticks and getting falls... They have a chance to win the whole doggone thing against people who will be regarded as heavy favorites like Penn State and the others coming into the tournament. All you can ask is a chance, and Mizzou has given itself that chance. Absolutely, and you look at the the Big 12 especially. To win the Big 12, I guess it would, you could say it's the third time in a row. Did it back before leaving for the SEC mm-hmm. and wrestling went to the MAC, and now coming back and doing it back-to-back years in the Big 12. But you've got two other top 10 teams that are actually ranked as of the last rankings, which were several weeks ago, but two teams in Iowa State and Oklahoma State that are perennial powers that were ranked ahead of Mizzou. And the Tigers just keep finding a way in these conference tournaments to you know exceed expectations. And it's just a remarkable thing, like you said, to do that 12, to win 12 conference championships, period, is well, incredible. Well, the likes of Alan Hart, who comes into the tournament and he's the sixth seed and it's been up and down in his season, and then he gets on the mat, he's like, all right, it's go time, bam, I'm in the final. Yeah. I, I wrestle my way to the championship. All these things are is you steal seeds, you wrestle above your seed, and you get bonus points. You get those major decisions. You get technical falls. You earn pins. And when you do that, you're there in the mix at the end of the tournament every single time. It's really simple if you break it. It's difficult to do, but simple when you break it down that way. And Missouri makes a habit of doing those things when it's tournament time in March every time. Rocky Elam at 189, the one Tiger champion from the Big 12, so props to him on that. Keegan O'Toole has had two epic battles in the last handful of weeks with the with the kid from Iowa State. And David I would, Carr's a monster, yeah, by the way. Would and, not would not be surprised to see them run that back for a third time coming and up. If, and I I would say after watching that match, if that match had gotten maybe a couple of decisions in a different way, you'd have Keegan raising his right arm. I I think that that probably sticks in his craw, and I'd expect nothing less than those two as the last match of everything in Tulsa again in two weeks. I think that'd probably be what they would do. Yeah, Big 12s went to sudden victory, so basically the equivalent of overtime, and that's where O'Toole lost there. The Hearn Center matchup between the two was close. So this, it's not like there's this, you know, Kale Sanderson-type gap between one and two here. I mean, O'Toole is right there, and yeah, I would agree that that could be the highlight of the entire NCAA championships in Tulsa just from a from a national perspective, let alone, obviously, from Mizzou's perspective. And, and yeah, for the Tigers, the 
goal now. You've got 10 in, one of only three programs, and Penn mm-hmm. State's not even one of them, one of only three programs to get all 10 of your wrestlers there. And like you said, I mean, Mizzou won the Big 12s on the first day. I mean, mm-hmm. perfect through the first round, really great quarterfinal run also. And by that point, they, they basically ended up locking it up after the, the first day. And so if you can have that kind of performance in your early rounds, steal a match here or there, then yeah, you put yourself in a position to, to get up on the podium, and, and that's, the, that's the goal for this Tiger squad. To give you perspective, the only other Iowa State wrestler to win four Big 12 championships is Kale Sanderson, <laughs> and David Carr just did it. So that's kind of what Keegan's going against there, and that's a fantastic story, and I don't think he's going to matter too much to him if he can have his right arm raised at the finish in Tulsa in the NCAAs, which he has as good a chance as anybody to do. In the most recent Tiger Style podcast, some of the guys from the wrestling program were talking on there, and that's the best place to go, by the way, on this on this same podcast feed to get that really in-depth look at, at Mizzou Wrestling. But they did mention that also having the having the familiarity already with Tulsa is going to be helpful for them, they think, mm-hmm. coming up in the NCAAs. They're used to the venue. They know where they have to go to weigh in and, and you know just little stuff like that. So they're going to go right back to the same place they just competed in the Big 12s for the NCAAs, and, and maybe that that little edge can, can help them out going forward as a team, too. Everybody through, everybody as healthy as they can. Let's go. It's go time. It's going to be very entertaining to watch and follow as we get into the NCAA tournament there. Um, a, a couple other things. We'll take our break in just a bit, but um, Mizzou women's basketball, I mean, what happens when a team just finds a way every single time? I know it feels that way with the way it went in the SEC tournament against Arkansas. It was a whale of a game. The Hogs end up on top in the end. Um, we don't know at this recording what postseason looks like for Mizzou women's basketball. Uh, we do know, and I think you can say confidently that they're coming off of one of their better offensive performances of the entire SEC season. And that is something you can look at as a positive as you go forward into whatever postseason play looks like for Robin Pinchton and company. Yeah, score. So played Arkansas on Super Bowl Sunday, and then just a few weeks later in the SEC's tournament scored twice as many points as they did in that Super Bowl Sunday game. So yeah, the offense was much better, and through nearly three quarters of play, the defense was good enough on everybody except one player, Chrissy Carr, who ended up scoring 34 points, who's a, a veteran shooter for Arkansas. Uh, but but then, yeah, it just went downhill, especially in the fourth quarter. And, and so Mizzou wraps up at 17 and 13, likely looking at a WNIT berth. And typically, so with Selection Sunday for the NCAAs on Sunday night after the men's selection show, it, it's usually very late Sunday night or early Monday before we'll find out where uh, where Mizzou will end up. But likely looking at the WNIT and, and with, with the winning record Mizzou can lock that up so that'd be the 10th time in in 11 years of the SEC era that the Mizzou women have made the postseason and we'll uh, we'll just see if that shakes out again here this year uh, some other things to go over Mizzou men's golf had a pretty good outing in their most recent at the Colleton River Collegiate uh, that is out there in South Carolina as I recall and a small print will tell me the Tigers flirted with the top three there but they had an individual performance from the newcomer Alphonse Bondison which by the way please tell me that you know we gotta I'd get love him. to speak to Alphonse I'll say we gotta get it, we gotta get him on the pod just to so we can say his name multiple times how about a first, how about a first round 64 just that, that firing helps. bullets 
bullets, and he ended up in a tie for second in the end with just edged by a Michigan State golfer. But um, congratulations. Got that little glass cup going on there. I think maybe he got to hold the cup because he was the low round of all those people who were tied to 10 under. I mean, 64, it might have been the low round of the event or tied for the low round of the event. So uh, props to him and props to Mizzou men's golf on that one. Uh, The Diamonds are what they are. Mizzou softball, um, you know, I think it's difficult when you find yourself in these late games and you don't have positive results all the time to look at. I mean, Oregon State had a walk-off. They suffered a walk-off this past weekend at Tulsa. Avenged that pretty well um, on Sunday against the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. But I I don't feel like Mizzou softball is in a bad place. Yeah, they'd like to have a couple more wins in their uh, cap by the time they start SEC play just this coming weekend. But... You know, they understand it's diamond sports. Sometimes you lose games late. Sometimes you're in bad positions to win games, even though you've done everything you want to do. Uh, There's no panic time for Mizzou softball right now and what they're getting set to do, which is go through one of the toughest gauntlets in college sports, Southeastern Conference softball. Well, I think it's a credit to Larissa Anderson and the the program that she's been able to kind of build up here that you are talking about a team that's still in the top 25 nationally. But you're right. It doesn't feel like they're, you know, 100% clicking everywhere that you'd like but sitting at, at 15 and 6 heading into a, a midweek game at home against Kansas City the home opener which is on Wednesday the, the about the same time we're recording this so we don't have the the result on that but the SEC opening series against another top 25 team in Kentucky so an opportunity you know weather permitting for a good measuring stick coming up this weekend at home to kind of see where, where you're at the, the two losses down in Oklahoma were well Oklahoma State is top five in the nation so that that's going to happen and then that Tulsa game you mentioned but both of those were true road games. Mizzou avenged the Tulsa loss emphatically the following day. So it's not like this team is in, in, in terrible shape by any means. Alex Honnold's off to a monster start, hitting over 500 with five home runs already. Jenna Laird over 400 with 16 steals somehow, which is a, a crazy number. And uh, Julia Crenshaw has six home runs already. That that leads the team. The pitching ERA is under three. So th- there's some there's some positive stuff there. Mm-hmm. And, and we saw last year there was a stretch, kind of especially early in SEC play, where Mizzou hit a little bit of a lull and then was able to to finish strong enough to reach the championship of the conference tournament and, and ultimately host some NCAA tournament games. So th- there's there's precedent here that you know it's not always going to look like you know the the 27 Yankees every single game, but this is still a team that has real potential to do some nice things as we head into the spring. The most remarkable part of all of that is four Tigers have driven in 20 or more: Honold, Laird, Crenshaw, and Kara Daly. By the way, cheers to the Jefferson City native sure. for her performance. Um, Jenna Laird has not yet hit a home run this season. Can you imagine what it looks like if she's hitting 417 without a home run, if she starts to put them over the boards? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine the depth the depth that that adds even further to already a pretty good swinging team? And on top of what she brings defensively already, too. They're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. All right? They're going to be just fine. But, hey, you'll have, what, three or four straight weekends against currently ranked teams, I think, as it sits right now, or certainly in that top 30 conversation. It's the life you sign up for in the SEC. Same thing with Mizzou Tiger baseball. Um, one more weekend of tune-up against NJI New Jersey Institute of Technology, the Highlanders. I looked that up too. I was very excited to see Highlanders on your, which, on your roster. Which doesn't make sense to me because I thought it was all swamp in Jersey, but apparently <laughs> there is some sort of Highland in New Jersey, and they have found a way to engineer themselves being a technological school to the Highland, therefore they are the Highlanders. Well, they're going to be tough to kill, Highlanders. So well, there can be only see, one. Yeah, and there can be only one. So it's going to be a challenge this weekend for sure for Mizzou, just from that perspective. Well, in a very legitimate sense, uh, NJIT, one of the 
favorites, I would argue, in the America East. Uh, they had the preseason, according to D1 Baseball, the preseason pitcher of the year is one of theirs. They've got another pitcher who's uh, like about a strikeout and a half per inning. Uh, they hit pretty good clip of home runs. They're on about the same pace as Mizzou is home run wise and Mizzou's on a home run pace at least right now if you're an on pace person to hit the most home runs that they've hit in any metal bat season under the BB cores. By the way, they just set that for themselves last year with 60 plus and they're on pace for 70 or 80 this season. Again, if you're an on pace person, you like that. Um, Luke Mann is doing Luke Mann things and just absolutely tearing the cover off the ball, hitting around 400. Um, the Tigers have done this with contributions on the baseball side, one through nine. I think that everybody who's played as a starter in the outfield for Missouri already has a big hit. And that's not necessarily people that you necessarily, as a Tiger fan, have heard of very often. Like Juju Stevens, who last season had most of it lost due to injury, played a couple times as a freshman early in the year, plenty of potential, a little bit of pop, and he hits a three-run home run against Texas Southern in the second game of a seven-inning twin bill against uh, the Texas Southern Tigers, hits the three-run home run in the eighth, wins the Tigers the game. And oh, by the way, it wasn't the last clutch spot he was in because he was up against TCU, gave the Tigers the lead in a game he was pressed into service after Ross Lovich went out with a hamstring issue in that game. The Tiger pitching is coming around. The bullpen is still solid. There are some injury things that they were working through last weekend in terms of availability, but it sounds like maybe Ian Losey might have a chance to go as a starter again this weekend. They got some innings from Tony Newbeck and Rorick Maltrude in that case this past weekend. They're on their way, and they've only dropped a couple of games. It's 10-2 and two right now as we record this after the midweek and before four scheduled against NJIT. Um, if the Tigers find a way to win that series and go 3-1, and one, that would be 13-3 and three heading into a midweek against Lamar and then the Tennessee Volunteers. They're in as good a spot, and the numbers are holding up amongst other SEC teams in the non-conference. And I think that that's what's so encouraging because we haven't always necessarily seen that. The Tigers could be winning, but not keeping up in terms of some of the metrics with other teams in their league. They're not just keeping up. They're quite better than a few of their teams, certainly on the pitching side amongst their SEC peers. It all changes when you get in the conference, but Mizzou baseball right now is tracking the way you would want them to track to be able to go into this toughest league in America and hold their own and put themselves in position for not just Hoover, but for a regional berth. Eight-game winning streak for the Tigers. Six-nothing win against Western Illinois on Tuesday. That's the last game that we, we have available in terms of recording. You know, I was just looking. Obviously, you're you're watching this much more closely than I am since you're you're at all the games and, and broadcasting them for us uh, on KTGR in Columbia. But, you know, just looking at the box score, I'm, I'm thinking you, you mentioned guys that are maybe you're not necessarily used to them having these monster contributions, and they're doing it so far this year. And I just looked at the, the stat sheet, and I see a guy like Ty Wilmsmeyer in the outfield who is hitting over 400 and he was at like a 270 clip last year now I know the SEC part hasn't come up yet so that mm-hmm. that, that that average number may come down but is that an example of a guy who's like oh hey this this guy might be making a nice leap this season well certainly and part of that is uh, more effectiveness with the bunt game he's a speed guy so Ty has beat out quite a few infield singles and he's had a couple of key bunts for this team but here's the real deal Ty Wilmsmeyer didn't have a great weekend last weekend that average went down he was hitting 500 there you go through yeah. the first eight or so games but there have been others to help pick him up Dalton Bargo right now as of the time we record this the freshman out of Omaha Nebraska 
Maybe that comes into play later. <laughs> um, he's hitting a cool 440 in nine games. He's 11 of 25. He has two doubles, two triples. Hasn't hit a home run yet. He will. He's that type of hitter. I mean, more gap to gap, but he's going to build into his power as he goes along. How about a guy like Jackson Lovich? You know about Ross Lovich. This is Ross's little brother, although he's the taller of the two. Very projectable frame, certainly a very projectable swing. Jackson Lovich has played in five games, started two, and is five of ten with a home run and two doubles, and he's driven in seven. Like, that's the sort of contribution that is helping Missouri out. There is so much more depth to this team, and that depth is a strength, at least on the offensive side. And there is depth to that bullpen, too, when it's up at full strength and healthy. Remember, the Tigers right now don't have the services of Sam Horn. He's going through spring practice, and he had that forearm strain that has put him on the side line, at least from a baseball perspective, for something Steve Beezer says four to six weeks. I know he's throwing footballs right now for Eli Drinkwitz in camp, which is good news, but he's someone who changes the tenor of a game the moment he steps into the game. You know, The Tigers have to be careful because they use their relievers not like everybody else. They're happy to let a reliever go three innings or four innings to win them the game and say, well, you did your work for the weekend. They just want to find the puzzle pieces to fit together to get themselves as many wins on a, on a weekend as they can, and and there are some SEC teams who won't do that. They'll play it more traditionally. They'll play it Larusa style, for lack of a better term, where you get your inning, you get your inning, and we're just going to go through our guys and see how that shakes out. No, Missouri is trying to maximize the effectiveness of the contributions they get. And so as a result, sometimes you're seeing weekends like this past one where you were really glad to see Chandler Murphy go six innings, hand it over to Brock Lucas for one inning, and just have two pitchers in that seven-inning win over Texas Southern in game one of a doubleheader. There's some management of that happening right now with Missouri's pitching staff, but it's not to a point where you would start to say they are at a lack of arms when they go into the series against Tennessee at Taylor Stadium in two weekends' time. I think that they'll be healthier by that point. I certainly know they'll be ready at that point. They've shown me everything they need to show to say that they can go into week one against the biggest, baddest dudes in the land from last year and hold their own and maybe even win that series. And by the way, a Tennessee team that it took like 20-something games for them to lose two last year has lost three now this year. And it's a panic on Rocky Top. Like the SEC is its usual bad bleep self, for lack of a better term, and there are going to be some nasty teams coming into town and the Tigers have to visit, but they're going to be able to hold their own with these teams, I really think, this year. The Southeastern Conference baseball is as good as it's ever been, and it's going to be great this year. My professional recommendation is to continue winning games in baseball. I hope that helps. It's a dynamite dropping, Marty. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Fly ball. Caught. Four years of broadcasting school. For, never mind. <laughs> All right. Um, we'll take a time out here. Speaking of broadcasting school, there's someone who's been uh, taking people to it for a long, long time, and we'll give him his flowers after you hear from our friends at Shelter Insurance. A shield against the elements. Comfort in the midst of chaos. Shelter in the aftermath of destruction. For 75 years, Shelter Insurance has remained true to our promise to be there when you need us most. This is the heartbeat of our company, our why. And throughout our history, it has never wavered. Shelter Insurance. For your auto, home, and life. We're your shield. We're your shelter. And the podcast is also powered by our friends at Socket. Socket Fiber, now available, the fastest, most reliable internet. Combined with local service and simple billing, contact Socket today for voice data and internet services for your home and business. 1-800-SOCKET-3 or visit Socket.net. I kind of flubbed Socket, so I'm saying Socket. 
I just I can't, I noticed and so I corrected myself. Appreciate you clearing that up. And obviously, you know, as we if you're going to do any marching anywhere, you want to click and vroom with Raceline throughout this month. Any any marching? You made it sound mm-hmm. like Colonel Bogey type marching, like with the whistling, not like. Is this really March Madness? I don't even know who that is. Is this related to Burgoo? Oh, that. Okay, thank you. I can't even do it right. I appreciate. No, I got you. I get, yeah, I got enough. I I was able to name that tune, so I, I appreciate that, that. Bridge over the River Kwai or something. I don't. <laughs> AKA the the place that people of a certain age know it is probably more from Spaceballs, with the uh, with the little those people are, that are supposed to be those like are Ewoks. both still extremely old reference. You went from like a great grandpa reference with Bridge in the River Kwai to a grandpa Spaceballs reference. Spaceballs isn't a grandpa reference. For for teenagers of a certain age... I'm a Google. It's, that- it's like an 87-89 joint, but... We watch that as teenagers all the time. We 1987. 1987. It's as old as I am. 30... It's not that old. 36 years ago. 36 years ago. It's not 36 okay, years yet on. for me. Okay. I haven't had my birthday yet this year. Okay, well, fair enough. Still... That's that's it went, that goes back a ways. All right, you know who it's probably too old for is that Mizzou club hockey team. Yes, and we talked about them a couple of weeks ago. Um, they're getting ready. I, I, it may well be by the time we record next that they'll be in action in Boston. They're getting a ton of love. I, is it the 16th? I think. Yeah. Technically, is the first date of the mm-hmm. event out in Boston for the national championships. Yeah. So it's the national club hockey championships in Boston, and in the division Mizzou is in, it's a 16-team event. The Tigers are the eight seed and so they're in a four-team pod and you have to win that pod to get out is what the guys told us a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago so they start out with air force on the 16th next week central michigan on the 17th and then the top overall seed of the tournament is hope and that's coming up on the 18th and so we had a chance to talk with jacob caston and jack hazelton from the team that's part of the february 13th edition of the inside mizzou athletics podcast so that can give you a little better idea of the road they went from, I believe he said, winless just a, a couple of years ago in club hockey to a point where they're ra- basically ranked eighth in the nation. So it's been a really cool evolution. They have a really cool story because they basically have to go out and, and get all their own money. They're, they're knocking not, on doors, man. Yeah, they're literally were knocking door to door in the downtown. So they're, they're not part of the athletic department. And so they still, they rep Mizzou across the, the chest on the sweaters and certainly wish them the best of luck in Beantown. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I think it's going to be fun to see just where that can take them as time goes on. Um, the spring game is basically here, by the way. <laughs> Mizzou's spring football game is on March the 18th. Um, it's an 11 a.m. start time. It's a little bit earlier, but there are other events on campus that day that are important. So uh, Eli Drinkwitz has made it very clear. I want to get spring football done. I want to get this evaluation period going. I keep people closer to campus in the wintertime. We work out. We do things individually as we need to, and then we come together for these instructional periods. There is not going to be a single job on this team that is won or lost in spring camp. Eli Drinkwitz has pretty much made that abundantly clear over the past several seasons. Guys can earn their numbers. That's cool. If it's something that they've done in fall camp, they do it in spring as well with some of the transfers and early enrollees and newcomers that make it to the program. I think I saw Theo Weiss was one of them. So uh, from Oklahoma to Columbia, now you have your number. Congratulations, (laughs) Theo, and many, many others. But um, you learn 
how this is going to work in the fall. You learn more about your team and what you want to do stylistically. Certainly learn about your new offensive coordinator, Kirby Moore, a little bit as you go through all this. But basically, you're just going through these reps to get yourself better, to get your own skills better. So when it's in the fall, you can put all these pieces together and have a finished product ready to go for week one. And so and so that that doesn't sound necessarily as dramatic as it feels in some places, but that's what Drink has said it's all about. That's why you got an early spring game. Hey, enjoy it while it's here. Go get your fill of that scrimmage and then get ready for uh, diamond sports and summer. And before you know it, it'll be kickoff again. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. And it, it is nice to get, a, get an early look. I remember last year it was cool to see, you know, Luther Burden had a couple of, of plays in that first spring game. And you're like, ooh, that's that's going to be a thing. And it, and it ended up being a thing. I know, you know, there, there were, the expectations were like he was going to be Jerry Rice as soon as the, the games kicked off for real. But if you compare Luther Burden's freshman numbers to a lot of other really promising freshmen in the SEC. I mean, he's he's right there. So he has the potential to do some even bigger things as a sophomore. But you mentioned Theo Weiss. You know, that that's a guy who is someone that you're curious about. Okay, how is that going to look? Somebody's going to have to take Dominic Lovett's reps. Weiss certainly has the potential to be that guy. How does he look in the spring game? And from a fan perspective, that'll be kind of cool to see. But you're right. I well, mean, then if, again, I mean, Drink mentioned that Luther's going to get snaps in the slot. It might end up being Luther Burden in the Dominic Lovett spot more or less that's fair yeah that, that's a great i was just talking about general production but you're oh, right yeah. about in terms 100%. of 100 where they're gonna where they're gonna end up you know just in terms of the stat sheet not necessarily where they line up but you're you're right about you know lutheran being ending up in different places but it's just cool from a fan perspective to see these guys that you maybe have heard about you see on social media that they came via the transfer portal and, and now you get to see what they look like in black and gold it, again like you said it's going to come down to how the reps look in August before we see who actually ends up playing in September. Yeah, I I don't think there are certainly people who have an edge, but I don't think anybody has their job. They won't have their job until they get on campus and fall and prove it. And then you probably have to keep your job. And that's what building a program is all about. And everybody is certainly very hopeful and very excited for what that looks like once we get to August and then September, Labor Day weekend, and we get this thing fired up again with Mizzou football. And we mentioned the person who is taking people to school when it comes to the broadcasting side of things. And certainly it's been done um, not in a uh, not in a way that is direct, but in a way that is indirect for everybody who has followed along with Mike Kelly over all the years. If you're a fan, you're just listening for the big moments if you were a broadcaster like you and I we listen to learn things we listen to uh, enjoy it maybe in a different way than some people do and uh, we both say this not as people with black and gold glasses on but as people who listen as students of this at, at basketball games he is one of the best anywhere in this country to call basketball and he's done it now over a thousand times at the University of Missouri was honored so honored in pregame before the Ole Miss game was honored on the air in the actual broadcast on the road at LSU which by the way how could have a comeback for the black and gold gave him a very memorable one and certainly a great call involved I mean everybody has their stories about Mike Kelly and and what he's done in terms of being just always there as the voice of the Tigers but I think you and I can can vouch for the fact that in terms of having the longevity of being able to do that and doing it at the level he has for as long as he has there he's the goat that's just what it is and so congrats indeed to mike kelly on a thousand and uh, a thousand more why not just keep it going I, i think that's well said and you know i think there have been other mizzou 
play-by-play guys in my in my lifetime. I'm a I'm a little bit older than when, than when he started in the early '90s, but he's the, he's the only one I remember. I, mm-hmm. I when I was super young, I didn't really process who was calling the games. So to me, it's always been Mike Kelly calling the games, and I've I've learned so much from him. You know, in yes, direct conversations and you know direct advice and things, but also just listening to him game in and game out, and it's that consistent excellence like you talked about, and so that that's something that's been hugely influential at least for me in my career it was kind of funny so game number 1000 and by the way we ran um, our, our co-worker at Learfield Ryan Corman did a terrific job mm-hmm. putting together a montage you know of calls through the years that, that Mike Kelly has done and if you're a Mizzou fan that's just a fun walk down memory lane you can listen to that on the Inside Mizzou Athletics podcast feed also if you missed it on Wednesday night but so I, I was on the road for the SEC women's basketball tournament on Wednesday night and for some reason the hotel they put us up in did not have SEC Network, which is a separate, that's a separate rant, whatever. I don't know how that happens. But anyway, didn't have SEC Network. And that was, you know, TV-wise, that was where the, the game was on, Mizzou and LSU. And so, I, you know, I could have brought it up on my phone and kind of squinted at it and, and watched it. And I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to listen to this on, well, it was the, the Varsity Network app is where I listened to it. But I'm going to listen to Mike. And I just listened to it the whole time. And it was a totally enjoyable broadcast. It was, you know, I, I felt like I could see it because Mike is so good with his descriptions and things and and it was uh it was just a really cool thing and a, and a good reminder that that hey he's pretty darn good at this and, and like you said hopefully he can can stay on there for a very long time because he 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 gives these calls the the justice that i i think that we all in this profession we all strive for and he certainly is someone who rises to those big occasions yeah a hundred percent so congrats indeed mike um on a thousand and uh, thanks like you mentioned to ryan corman i know steve sowers had a hand in that i know that josh powell had a hand in that as well and all the festivities to make that uh, a fantastic day at home as well as broadcast on the road. So cheers to everybody and you too. Brad helped out because he has a little bit more institutional knowledge from his time as a babe, <laughs> from the only voice he ever knew calling Mizzou men's basketball. Did I forget anything today? And it's always me who forgets. It's never him. Well, if, if you forgot something, then I, I forgot it too. I think we're good. It's it's that time of year with the crossover. It's, I did forget something. Mizzou Gymnastics beat Alabama for the oh, first I did, time I ever. skipped right past it. Yeah, that's, that's mildly important. Yeah, so top 15 in the nation and they've got another home meet one more north carolina ball state and semo all coming friday night at hearns you can cheer on this team one more time uh, you can hear from jocelyn moore who we also had on a recent inside mizzou athletics podcast she was terrific on there so you can hear that conversation but it, it seems like gymnastics is peaking at the right time and after finishing fifth in the nation a year ago they're, they're working their way up to where they have that that opportunity to be in a similar position again in 2023 hawaiian night baby go ahead Dress up for as, that quad. As get if out, you needed any more. Get out your more. Andy Reid Hawaiian shirt and enjoy. As if you needed any more motivation. Yeah, 100%. Um, we'll see how strong they can finish there and in the SECs. Because I still think, again, I haven't crunched the numbers today, but I still think there's that outside chance. If they really finish strong, maybe you see Mizzou sneak up into that top eight. And if you get there and can host, it'd be really cool. But it, t- tall task, but I think they're capable of it as they're peaking, as you mentioned, at the right time. All right, I think that's it. I think we've done all the damage we can do to the network today. Work, Works for me, sir. Thank all you. All right. Um, we'll have more coming your way shortly. There's a lot going on, so stay tuned here. Stay tuned to MUTigers.com and all the rest for all of that good stuff. But for Brad Trinago and Steve Sowers and his help today, I'm Matt Michaels. See you next time on the Inside Mizzou Athletics Podcast. 
This has been Inside Mizzou Athletics with Matt Michaels and Brad Trinago. Brought to you by Shelter Insurance. Find an agent for your auto, home, and life at shelterinsurance.com. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation on the Central Bank Tiger Network. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois.